0: Well, good morning, everyone, um, Yeah, whether you're on Zoom and or whether you're here in the sanctuary with us, uh, it's, it's lovely to have you all with us today for our service. Um, I have to start with uh, a sad notice. Um, those of you who are aware that uh, Bob's wife, Jo, um, was seriously ill, she passed away overnight. Um, so if you could remember Bob and Jo and um, the family in, in your prayers. Um, that's Marcus and Jane and Hannah and Ben and Marcus's brother and uh, his family, if you could remember them. Um, but I would actually like to, to start with, with a prayer for them. Mm-hmm. Lord God, we acknowledge that for those who knew and loved mm-hmm. Jo, the past few years have been very difficult as they've seen her deterioration both um mentally and, and physically and we thank you lord that because she knew and loved you she's with you now and that she's whole and and we thank you so much for that we thank you for, for that promise that you made and we we know that uh, she loved you and she's with you now but we do pray for bob lord um for the the gap that will be left in in his life after so many years we pray for, for Marcus and Jane, for Hannah and Ben, and for the rest of, of the family, that you will comfort them. But we thank you that they they also have the assurance. They know that she's with you. We thank you so much for that, Lord. Amen. We're continuing today in our series in Ecclesiastes. Uh, a time for everything is the, the topic today. We're going to be thinking about... Um, God's sovereignty the fact that he is sovereign over all he's sovereign over over time he's sovereign over eternity and he's he's a sovereign he's the king king sovereign and um that is the case despite the the grief that um, the the family are feeling at the loss of Joe he is still sovereign he is in control he knows our coming and our going he, he knew the time when, when Joel would be going to, to be with him. And uh, so we're going to, to sing now to, to our king, to our sovereign. Mm-hmm. Can I just remind you that, that unfortunately in the sanctuary you, you're not allowed to, to sing? Mm-hmm.
1: its own awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity crown him the lord of life who tries victorious in the strife for those he came to save his glories now we sing who died and rose on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die crown him the lord of Those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight But downward bends his burning eye and mystery so bright ways, from pole to pole that wars may cease, and all be prayer and praise. His reign shall know no end, and round his pierced feet, their flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. in the lord of years the potentate of time creator of the rolling spheres ineffably sublime all hail all hail redeemer hail for thou hast died for eternity glorious king seated in the highest place give the name above all names glorious king glorious king worthy of the highest praise giver of eternal days glorious king Glorious King, Glorious King, all the earth declares your praise, speaks the glories of your name. Glorious King, Glorious King, all creation joins in song lifting up a voice as one glorious king glorious king Glorious King, all the nations bow in awe. every king and priest will fall to their knees. Glorious King, on that day your truth will reign, we'll sing the glories of your name. Glorious King, glorious King.
0: days, And he's the one who gave his life for us, as we'll remember around the communion table a bit later. So could I invite a few people to, to give their praises to God, to bow before him for who he is, to give thanks and praise and worship to him. If you're at home and you'd like to pray, then do please mute yourself. And if you're in the sanctuary and would like to pray, then if you raise your hand, Nigel will come to you with the, the mic. Thank you.
2: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me and devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. This tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hallelujah.
3: Amen. A reading from Psalm 104. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They all look to you to give them food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand they are filled with good things when you hide your face they are dismayed when you take away their breath they die and return to their dust when you send forth your spirit they are created and you renew the face of the ground May the glory of the lord endure forever may the lord rejoice in his works as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like the flower of the field but the wind passes over and it is gone but god knows our frame and his steadfast love lasts forever thank you lord O oh Lord, how manifold are your works, in wisdom you have made them all, the earth is full of your creatures, these all look to you to give them food in due season, and when you give to them, they gather it up, and when you open your hand, they are filled with good things, when you hide your face, they are dismayed, when you take away their breath, they die, and return to their dust, when you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever and may the Lord rejoice in his works. Amen.
0: Our Father, we thank you that you are our glorious King. We thank you that there's nothing in this world that is more glorious than you. To look on your face would be so wonderful and yet so awesome. And yet, Lord, one day, we're going to be able to do that, to look on your face and see just how good you are. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
4: Lord, as we hear the, the birds singing outside, I'm just reminded that not even a sparrow can fall to the earth without Lord your knowledge um, and care of it and Lord how much more do you care for us your children Uh, Father thank you that you are a sovereign God who knows how to give good gifts to your children thank you that day by day your mercy is new every morning Lord great is your faithfulness and we praise you today in Jesus name amen
0: reminded of the question that uh, some of the children who have been here um, as part of their, their RE lessons have asked, who made God? And we thank you, Lord, that the answer is no one. No one made you, because you were from the beginning, and you are sovereign now, and you will be sovereign for all eternity. And we thank you for that. And it's just beyond our understanding that The God who is so mighty, who's so all-encompassing, who just has existed and will exist for for the whole of eternity, should care for each one of us. We just thank you for that. You are so amazing that uh, words can't express it. But we know that you know what's in our hearts. And we ask that you will accept every offering of of praise and worship that's been given to you this morning, whether it's been spoken aloud or has come in the silence from one heart to yours. Amen. We're going to, to sing now as we lead into communion, um, so for those of you at home, I, I hope you have the, the elements ready, but um, if not, there's a slight gap now while, while we're, uh, we're going to sing, just reminding ourselves of uh, what Jesus did for us.
1: So down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether.
4: Thank you, Alison. We invite everyone who seeks to love and serve and follow Jesus to take part in this this meal. We read of the Last Supper in Matthew's Gospel. While they're eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying take and eat this is my body and then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom let's pray Jesus, thank you for these simple elements of bread and wine. Lord, the bread reminds us of your body, your body which was sacrificed on the cross and wounded for our transgressions and sin. Jesus, thank you that you were wounded in order that we might become whole, that our sin might be healed And as we consider the the wine, Lord, we're reminded of your blood. Your blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. And it's also the blood of the new covenant relationship. Lord, where your Holy Spirit lives in us, where your law is written on our hearts. And so we thank you, Jesus, for your body, wounded and your blood shed that we might come into a relationship with the Father by faith. Thank you for sins forgiven. Thank you for the gift of your spirit within us. And thank you that one day we will enjoy a heavenly banquet in eternity, Jesus, with you. We will feast with you in heaven and all your people. And we thank you that this meal looks back to the cross. Thank you, though, that in the present moment that your spirit is with us. And as we take bread and wine, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us by this means of grace. Strengthen our hope. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Jesus took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples... We take and eat this bread, giving thanks that Jesus is the bread of life. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, drink this in remembrance and thanksgiving. And we do that as we give thanks for the forgiveness of Jesus' blood. This is a fellowship meal, and Jesus invites us uh, to come to him. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so, as we bring our prayers for ourselves, for others, for the worldwide church, for our nation, we come at the invitation of Jesus. And so, as you are prompted, led by the Holy Spirit, Please, uh, please join in a time of open prayer. If you're on Zoom, uh, please unmute and pray. If you're here in the sanctuary, again, we just ask that you would uh, put your hand up and Nigel will come to you with a microphone. So let's, let's offer up our prayers of intercession as the Holy Spirit leads us.
5: I pray for the family of Pam Younger. Lord, would you be their peace and their comfort and their strength? Wrap your loving arms around this family, Father. In Jesus' name, yes. Amen. Amen.
3: Russell, please. Please do. Please help.
0: we thank you that you hung on that cross for our sins lord Mm. but also it says that by your stripes we are healed Mm. and lord i do lift to you those within our fellowship today who need a touch of your healing lord those who um who've got cancer there are are others too lord um i can't think of all the different i know ian has got a, a real eye problem But there are others too, Lord, who really need a touch of your healing today. And I Mm. pray that as we celebrate this meal and just remember what you did for us, Lord, that you will touch people with your healing. Mm. Amen.
4: Amen. Lord, your word calls us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we do that today, Lord, in the, in the midst of what seems like a, a spiraling conflict, of violence and loss of life and war. Lord, we pray, may your kingdom come on earth, in Israel and Palestine and Jerusalem, as it is in heaven. Father, we pray for the peacemakers, your blessing on them. Lord, we pray for uh, peace. We pray, Lord, for an end to the, the bloodshed and the violence and the warfare, that a solution uh, may be found. Lord, we, humanly speaking, it seems an impossible ask, but Lord, we, we pray for that peace. Um, Jesus, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. We ask you to intervene uh, in that terrible situation Lord, just a moment now where there will be particular people and situations on, on, uh, on our hearts, some of them known to us and others. And Lord, we, we, we just take a moment of silence now, uh, wherever we are here or at home, just to pray for those situations, those people that are on our hearts and minds. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the high priest who sympathizes with us in our weakness. So thank you for the invitation to come and uh, seek your mercy, your help, your healing, your grace. And we thank you, Jesus, that even now, as we're praying, your grace and help is coming to, to those for whom we're praying. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Before we have our reading, I'd, I'd just like to, to pray for Martin as he, when he comes to bring us uh, the word. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the passage that we're going to hear in a minute. It's such a familiar passage, and there are probably many people out there who, who know a good chunk of it, Lord, but don't, maybe don't even realize that it comes from the Bible. We pray, Lord, that um, as Martin comes to speak to us, that you will anoint him with your spirit and that you will anoint each of us who's listening, whether it's in the sanctuary, whether it's on Zoom now, or whether it's listening to a later recording. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to touch each one of us and to show us how we ought to be applying this passage to our lives here today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So.
6: It's
5: Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three, a time for everything. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does does, endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, And man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him?
4: Thank you, Mary, for reading that. I don't know whether you're, uh, I don't know whether you prefer the Simon and Garfunkel version of Turn Turn or the, uh, the Bird's version, but um, it's, it's impossible to read this passage and not have that song sort of playing in your head, isn't it? It's, it's there, and if it wasn't there, it probably is now. Um, I know some of you have, have read this book and I would commend it to you, But about a year ago, at the height of the pandemic, um, John Lennox, who's uh, a scientist um, at Oxford University and a Christian, wrote a book called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? And uh, I quote, never before have we experienced the lockdown of cities and even countries, the closing of borders, the banning of travel, the shutting of all but essential services the banning of large sports gatherings and the silent towns and cities that shout of fear and self-isolation. One major effect is the universal feeling of increased vulnerability. Many of us have got used to a fairly stable world where life was reasonably predictable. Now that all appears to be crumbling away. The things we always counted on have gone and we, we are exposed as never before to forces way outside our control. People fear for their health, both physical and psychological, for their family and friends, particularly the elderly and infirm, for their social networks, their food supply, their jobs and economic security, and a host of other things. End quote. So what has changed uh, from when that was first written a year ago? Well, the obvious answer is that we now have large proportions of the population vaccinated, and that has given... People a real sense of hope and some stability again. Um, But I wonder how much has really changed Um, in an increasingly interconnected and globalised world. We are not guaranteed future lives of comfort and stability. Our future as human beings, as you will be well aware, is still threatened by environmental pollution, climate change, war, Overcrowding, over-farming, deforestation, lack of sustainability, disease, drought, famine, economic injustice, and I could go on. As a human race, we like to think that we are in control of the planet, that we determine our own future, and perhaps, to some extent, our own lives. But the pandemic has taught us very clearly that this is not the case. There is so much about our own lives and about the world that we cannot control. And for many in our world today who do not believe in a God who is sovereign over time and over the world, there's a growing sense of uncertainty and insecurity over the future of the world and even over our own lives. Mental health uh, is proliferating in terms of problems at this time. This is where I believe Solomon in chapter 3 can give us some wisdom. Solomon tells us in this chapter that time and eternity are in God's hands. God is outside of time. He's not constrained by time as we are. And the whole world is in his sovereign control, including time. So the good news of Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes 3 is that although we are limited by time, God is not Um, verse 14. Um, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear him. I want us to look at four things today that show us that God is sovereign over the times and seasons of our lives. First, we'll look at the God of time, Second, we'll look at the problem that we face, that time comes to an end for all of us. Third, we will look at how God gives us the gift of eternal life or offers us the gift of eternal life. And fourth, how we can then trust in God's perfect timing. So first, the God of time. The poem begins, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, up till now, in the first two chapters, you'll notice that Solomon has used the phrase under the sun, but now we have the phrase under heaven, and that's deliberate because Solomon wants us to see that time and the seasons are under God's sovereign control, that everything under heaven, including time itself, is under the sovereignty of God. Nothing happens outside the will of God. And the scope of God's sovereignty over the created order is emphasized through a poem with its parallel series of related opposites. Um, Birth and death comprise the whole of human existence. They're like bookends for the poet. Weeping and laughing summarize the full range of human emotion. God is the king of time and all that happens. He rules over all our moments and all our days. Everything happens when it happens because God is sovereign over time as well as eternity. So even the pandemic is part of God's plan for history. Um, It's a mystery how God can be involved in these things. And yet there is a season for everything under heaven, even the coronavirus pandemic. The very change of the seasons shows us that God is uh, the rhythms of the change of seasons, shows that God is an orderly creator. And a season in Ecclesiastes is not just spring, summer, autumn, and winter, but it means an appropriate opportunity for everything that happens. So everything that happens is ordained by God, is an opportunity for God. It's a season that God has uh, preordained and allowed to happen. He is working in and through every season to bring about his good purposes. Um, We don't understand how God works through all of these things. How could we? Um, But God is at work. He's sovereignly weaving together a beautiful tapestry Unfortunately, we only get to see the knotted and twisted back of the tapestry. God sees the beautiful picture that he's weaving on the front. But this poem in verses one to eight expresses the complexity of life. Life is full of contradictions and ambiguity, isn't it? There are good times and bad times. There's a time for killing and a time for healing. Now, this doesn't give any warrant or support to capital punishment today. Solomon is merely describing that in the Old Testament, there were holy wars. Holy war has been superseded for us today through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Our battles today as Christians are not to be fought um, through military means, but through the spiritual weapons of prayer and the Bible and of worship and of evangelism. But there is a time to love and a time to hate. God hates evil and injustice, and we should too. Um, to uh, To love evil would be twisted, it would be evil itself. God is not indifferent to evil and injustice. He hates it passionately, and so should we as Christians. That's how we are called to be salt and light in a broken and fallen world. There is a time for war and a time for peace. Now again, this doesn't warrant any particular war. You cannot make a case for going to war on the basis of these texts. It's just merely describing what is. In a fallen and cursed and broken world, Jesus warned us that there will be wars and rumors of wars. He didn't justify any particular war. He just said that in the broken world in which we live, this side of Eden, outside of the Garden of Eden, there will be war there will be fighting, there will be killing. Killing, tearing down, weeping, mourning, hating. The, this is life east of Eden. This is life in a broken, fallen, cursed world. And the, the bizarre nature of life is that these things exist along life, alongside life's joys. There are many joys in life, planting building, laughing, dancing, embracing, mending, loving, peacemaking, all of these things exist alongside the evils that we experience too. That's why life is so complex, so ambiguous, so difficult to understand. Second, the problem, time comes to an end uh, for us all. Um, Solomon wants us to see that these times and seasons do not come in any particular order. Um, Often bad news catches us out, doesn't it? I don't think I will ever get used to uh, people passing on to glory. I've said this before, but every time I hear that someone has passed away, I am saddened and shocked. I've never come to the point, and I hope I never do, where I just kind of, accept these things is just, um, it, it always takes me back. It always knocks me back. I don't know about you. And it reminds me of how transitory life is. And it reminds me how fond I was of the person and how much I will miss them. And so I will never get used to people passing on from this life. Death hurts, death leaves a hole we are human beings and we feel the fragility of life and of the loss of those that we love. Life happens to us. We like as human beings to think that we make life happen, but most of life actually happens to us, doesn't it? We have no control over any of these things. Of course, we make real responsible decisions every single day, but in reality, we know that the seasons of life are almost completely out of our hands. Um, God is sovereign and yet we have choices. We have real choices. How do we explain that? How can God be sovereign and yet we are free to make real decisions and choices? Well, A.W. Tozer uses quite a helpful illustration here in one of his books. Um, I've never been on a a cruise ship. Uh, Quite a few of you have, but you will know that on a cruise ship, there are all sorts of things you can do, so I'm told. You can play sport, you can jog or walk around the the deck, you can sunbathe, you can go to the restaurant, you can go to a bar, you can go to a disco, you can go shopping, you can do most of the things that you can do uh, at home, actually, and more. Although you have choices on that cruise ship, the direction of travel and the steerage of that ship is not in your hands. Now the captain might give you a go on the wheel, I guess, if you asked but you are not steering the ship, right? Somebody else is steering that ship. You have choices that you make while you're on board, but you are not the captain of that vessel. And in the same way, God is the captain of the vessel of our lives. We have real choices that we can make in life, but we're not steering the ship, right? We get to write the book, but God is the author. We get to be involved in the things that happen, but we're not the author of events and of our lives. God is. He's the captain of the ship. So we like to be organized, don't we? We have diaries. Um, I still use an old diary, by the way. I find it quicker and I like turning the pages. I'm a bit old-fashioned like that, right? Some Most of you do it on your phones. I'm, I'm a bit old school when it comes to organizing myself, but I can put something in the diary, but I'm finding increasingly it doesn't always happen because other things, life just happens. You organize, you plan, anybody, you know, how many people have planned to go to the the theater or to a gig or to, you know, hotels and your plans are up in the air, aren't they? We're we're still waiting, aren't we? Oh, goodness me. What's going to happen at the end of June now? Who knows? So we make plans, but we don't know whether these plans are ever going to be fulfilled, do we? God is sovereign. He's the captain of the ship. And Solomon asked the rather sober question in verse nine. What does the worker, um, what gain has the worker from his toil? At the end of all this life of service and toil, what do we gain? Why is he so gloomy, Solomon? Well, verse 19 tells us, for What happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. A man has no advantage over the beast for all is vanity. We may have a higher consciousness than the animals and our pets. We may ask more philosophical questions than our cat or dog. But at the end of the day, Like them, we are turning to dust. We are going back uh, to dust. So we have a problem. The patterned order in the world does not lead us ultimately to find gain. The rhythms of the season of life rumble through. We find them happening to us. Good as well as bad things happen to us. And we don't really control what is going on. The truth is we're all trying to make a mark in the world, to leave a legacy, to make a difference. And that's a good thing. As long as we don't forget that ultimately all of our efforts will be forgotten in time. The universe, um, the solar system is dying. One day the sun will die. One day you and I and our achievements on earth will fade from memory. But Solomon does not leave us in despair. Because God exists, eternity exists. The God of eternity, third. Death is not the end. Eternity exists. This is good news. Um, if you've ever been to a humanist funeral, and by the way, this passage, well, the first eight verses are often read at a humanist funeral. And uh, the bird's song, turn turn or the Simon and Garfunkel version are often used what they don't do is go on beyond verse eight to talk about eternity so at a humanist funeral you may well hear verses one to eight used but they don't go on beyond that thank goodness that we go on beyond verse eight right eternity exists verse 11 he has made everything beautiful in its time Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God has put in us as human beings a sense that this world is not all there is. We yearn for more than this life can give us, but we don't see the beginning from the end. Although God has put a longing in us for more than this life can offer us, he doesn't allow us to see how all of the events of life in eternity are weaved together. How could we understand it? It would be overwhelming for us. It would be like trying to explain um, to a toddler, you know, the, the difficulties of the workplace or the stresses and strains they're gonna face at school. They just couldn't take it in. And we can't take in the complexities of eternity. And yet God has put in us a longing beyond this life for more, for him, ultimately. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, by the way, if you've never read Mere Christianity, please read it. It's a profound book. I quote C.S. Lewis, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. You see a beautiful sunset. You see the birth of a baby. You're overwhelmed with a view. And you sense in the soul and spirit of your being that there is more to this world than just this life. Anybody ever been there? Those, that beautiful piece of music that transports you, and, and it seems as if you transcend time and space itself. You're transported to a moment of pure joy and ecstasy, but somehow it doesn't last. But it's a foretaste of eternity, of a joy that will be yours if you know Christ for eternity. We were built, created for eternity. Adam and Eve in the garden walked with God in the coolness of the garden and talked with him. They enjoyed a pain-free and a death-free creation. The tree of life was there in the garden protecting them from death. But when they rebelled against God's good boundaries and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were expelled from the garden and death entered into the created order. The relationship with Adam and Eve and God was disrupted. Their relationship with others was disrupted. Their relationship with the ground and with creation was disrupted. Um, Work became hard. Um, pain, Pain increased in childbirth and so on. The curse of sin entered the good creation. But here's the good news. We sung earlier, light of the world, you stepped into darkness, Jesus, who's the God and Lord of eternity, the Son of God, who, was, who, who has no beginning and no end, the Alpha and the Omega, he stepped into the finite world in which we live of darkness and pain. And why did he do that? The most famous verse of scripture tells us that he stepped down into this finite, broken, cursed world to bring eternity to us heaven came down to earth in the person of Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? God has set eternity into the hearts of man, into people, and they find it fully in Jesus Christ, Heaven, eternity came into this world. And if you want to know that eternal life, you can know it through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we will all physically die. But for those who trust in Jesus Christ, death is not the finality, it's the gateway into eternity with God. We were all made for more than this life can give us. We were made for eternity. We have an appetite for eternity. And Jesus, the bread of life, satisfies that appetite perfectly. Jesus says, if you feed on me the bread of life, you will live and you will be satisfied for eternity. Fourth and finally, trust in God's perfect timing. God is sovereign over time and God has intervened in the world, in Jesus Christ, at just the right time. He's offered us eternal life. Eternal life has broken into this finite world of pain. This means that whatever season of life you're going through, God is in control. Uh, When I was growing up in Syrencester Baptist Church, uh, we used to have a little... Uh, book called Jesus Praise that we used to sing out of in Sunday school. I don't know whether any of you had that, but here was a song we used to sing. I didn't understand it at the time. I would not have a clue what the words meant, really. I just sung it because I was told to. But now I find it really profound. Um, it says, I do not know the course ahead, what joys and griefs are there, but one is near who fully knows. I'll trust his loving care. I know who holds the future, and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with its problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles give to him my all. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, right? God holds the future and he holds us in his hands. And God wants you and I to be like children, I keep getting this picture of of a toddler just reaching up and putting their hand into their father's hand. A hand of loving trust, total committed trust. And I believe that's how God would have us put our hand into his hand. We have a sovereign father who loves us and who knows how to give good gifts to us, right? Right? And he says, put your hand in mine as we will walk together through this life with all its uncertainties, problems, large and small. And you can trust me because I'm the God of miracles. You can give to me your all. That's what he says. If God knows when a sparrow falls to the earth and he cares for that sparrow, how much more does he love and care for you and me as his children? Life is full of good and bad times that we can't control, but God is always sovereign. We can live without being sovereign and in control over everything when we put our hand into the hand of our loving father and we say, Lord, I trust you because you love me and you care for me. One day in a new heaven and a new earth, time will be no more, as the hymn writer uh, Newton said it, didn't he? When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Time will be no more. Like God, we will be in eternity outside of time. We will live in a blissful eternity, free of all the death, killing, weeping, mourning, breaking down, hating and warring. We can get rid of that side of the poem, can't we? And we can enjoy the other side of the poem. Love, peace, healing, building up, laughing, dancing, embracing. Hallelujah. You see, what we do in this life matters for eternity. Are you storing up treasure in heaven? Are you serving the king in this life and storing up treasure in heaven? The same God who puts eternity into our hearts will finally make all things new. Everything will be made beautiful, including the things in your life and mine that seem lost or broken. One day they'll be healed and made new, all in God's good time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are sovereign and in control. Lord, I pray for, for those of us who are anxious and troubled at this time, for whatever reason, For those of us who are grieving thank you father that you are good that you are sovereign and that you are our loving father and as it were father we reach up and we put our hand as children who are dearly loved by you our father we put our hands securely into your hand and we thank you father that you will lead us home thank you that you you walk with us through this world with all its joys and all its frustrations and pains. We can trust you because you love us and care for us. Thank you, sovereign God, for your fatherly care and love for each one of us. Help us not to be anxious and troubled, but to trust you, to trust the God of miracles and to give to you our all. Amen.
0: Well, as Martin has said, God God is sovereign over everything. He reigns and he's good and we can trust him. We can trust him to be with us in everything, in all our circumstances. The, The bad, the good, the rough, the smooth, the dark, the light. Because he reigns and our closing song reflects that. sovereign we can trust you and psalm 9 says those who know your name will trust in you for you lord have never forsaken those who seek you father god i pray that your holy spirit will enable us day by day just to remember that you are sovereign that you reign over all circumstances you reign over everything that that happens to us, around us. You reign over time, you reign over eternity. Help us to to hold on to that truth, particularly if times are bad. You are sovereign and you love each one of us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we thank you, we praise you. Amen. If you would like prayer, um, you'll see the number on the screen there. If you call or text John, um, he will put you into a a breakout room where a member of the prayer team will will join you for prayer. Um, Yeah, to those of you in the sanctuary, um, as usual, if you stay where you are, somebody will um, tell you when to to leave the building. And I hope you have a good week. And to those of you on Zoom, it's time now that you can